Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning, let me whet your appetite by recalling a most interesting day I had in the old country in Edinburgh, Scotland, as I was doing my uh, graduate studies, postgraduate studies there. I walked into Martin Hall, which overlooks uh, from the, its position on the mound over Princess Street Gardens and, and the Princess Street Shopping District and on to the Firth of Forth in Edinburgh, really one of the most beautiful places in the whole city to stand and look out the window. But I was there that day with a throng of people. It was, it was standing room only. If I had come just two minutes later, I would have ended up on the back wall standing for the whole time. There was a famous professor from Cambridge, who was there to give a very historic lecture. Uh, what struck me was the, the folks that were there, uh, it appeared to me a, a slightly different crowd than I was used to seeing at some of these uh, more dry academic things. And, uh, and everyone was just sitting on the edge of their seat with great excitement as this man stood up to speak. His chosen text was from our chapter this morning. Uh, he particularly chose... Uh, sort of, uh, verse 32, And what more shall I say, for time will fail, would fail me, to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets. But the famous Cambridge professor did not end there. He went on to add other words that were not in the text. And time will also not allow us, he said, to speak of the great faith and work of Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad and of the as-of-yet-undiscovered outer space creatures in whom the Logos is also incarnate. I was shocked. I mean, I'd heard pluralism before, but I'd never heard pluralism reach out and grasp for the straw of as-of-yet-undiscovered outer space creatures. I, I felt like I was watching the sci-fi channel. And the strangest thing happened in the room. I sat there dumbfounded, but, but you know, I was surrounded by uh, theological liberals on every hand, and they were weeping and they were nodding. One of them even got, even got enough religion to shout out, Amen. Now this morning, we will not be talking about outer space creatures because that's not in the text. We, however, will be talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and His great work for us and His great work in us by the power of His Holy Spirit. It's a long chapter, but a good one for our souls. Hear the Word of God. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. 
Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents, Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. She considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and from his, him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invokes future, future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him 
who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer, the firstborn, might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better For us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Amen. May God bless that reading of his word to us. Let us pray. Oh, our Father and our God, we do ask that your word now would be an open book to our hearts and lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit, who has given it by inspiration, this particular text, might indeed apply it to us in the way that we think and feel and live. May you indeed have your word transform us that we too might serve you in the hall of faith. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Hebrews 11 contains the great hall of faith. Beginning with creation, we are given a tour of famous names in the Old Testament. Enoch, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joshua, Rahab. They're all there and many others. Father Abraham gets the most press. And that seems right. Moses comes in a close second, and that seems fair as well. But there are a list of other figures whose names are mentioned in passing. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. And then there's that uh, summary statement and the prophets. And then this long description of them, not by name, but rather by event or by function. They're all there. There's a reference to the shutting of the mouth of lions. And and that little voice inside says, yes, that's Daniel. And then you have other dramatic events of the Old Testament, like resurrection, you think Elijah. 
the point of this text and the point of the names in this text is really not all about the people. It's not any one figure that's the key to understanding what the mind of the original human author of the text is or the mind of God. These individuals, as great as they were and are, are used illustratively of something much more important for you. They are used to illustrate a great principle of your Christian life, which is essential for Christian living. And that is this. You must persevere by faith. You see, the passage directly or indirectly makes it very clear that we are born without perseverance because we are born fallen and sinful. Yes, now it's also true. We are born cute. Uh, if you haven't seen the Kirschke baby yet, I commend that to you. It's a joyful thing to see such a happy child. Uh, babies come forth and they are just the most delightful, cute, and cuddly creatures on the face of the planet. But they're also broken, fallen, and sinful. You see, we're, every one of us, we're born a little wobbly, aren't we? We're wobbly at the knees. We're unsure. We're, we're unclear about what to believe or, or what to have convictions of. We spring forth into that life with a certain degree of wobbliness. We're wobbly in judgment as well. We are condemned rather than commended for our behavior. And so the first two verses of this chapter imply these important things about our wobbliness. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, and that's precisely what we're not like by nature. Then verse 2 says, For by it the people receive their commendation, and we come by nature into this world without, or without commendation, but rather with condemnation. And even our minds are affected. The next verse says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. And then we look in the mirror and realize that by nature we're wobbly of mind, confused and lacking true understanding until the Lord speaks to us and tells us the truth about ourselves and about our world. You see, God is not wobbly. He is strong and sure. His habit or pattern is to speak, and it is so. He speaks, and the universe unfolds from nothing in His wisdom and in His power. That's what verse 3 says. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God also speaks, and it is so. He commands His people about what to be and how to live. And He commends His own as He gives them grace and strength. That's what's going on in verse 2. For by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And their commendation comes in line with obedience to the commands which God has given. Oh, remember the words of the old St. Augustine, 
Remember it when he said, Command what you will, O Lord, but give what you command. God gives what he commands, and so he commends his people. We're wobbly. God is not. And so, faith in God and faith in his promises are the only way for us to persevere in this life as we walk the road of life. Truth be told, you don't even really, by nature yourself, know where you're from or where you're going. Oh, in these kinds of first things, in matters of creation, you may seek to discover certain ideas or certain possible possibilities. You are a clever clever creature, you know. You're made in the image of God. But you run up against the wall of your own finitude when it comes to these first things. We're not nearly as clever as we like to think sometimes that we are. We do not come into this world remembering or knowing our past history. Uh, We can dig in the ground. Uh, We can even take blood samples and unfold and map our genes. And you know what? That only tells you the way that things might have been. It doesn't tell you absolutely how they came to be. Our own creation is contingent rather than being absolute. It didn't have to just be this way. God could have created us in a number of ways. God is free, and he might have created in any way that he so chose. But which way did he do it? How did it happen? How did we get like this? We must sit quietly and listen to him as he speaks to us from his word. He must tell us. He must tell us what he did, and we must trust what he says. And that is the reason, ultimately, while we understand the truth of verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God has created us by his special word and his special action. As he describes in Genesis, the creation of our first father, Adam, the creation of our first mother, Eve, he has declared or spoken that to us, And so we trust his word. And so faith in him and faith in his word is relevant to creation and who we are and where we've come from. But faith in God and trusting in his word doesn't come with our mother's milk. It's not natural to fallen creatures. We lack faith in this life. We're born not fully trusting even our mother or our father or our siblings or ourselves, much less God. Now, I have several children, and I I won't name any of them by name, but you know, I had one child that came into this world kicking and screaming. I know, I was there. He let out a scream or war hoop that I will remember until the day I die. Kicking and screaming, he was unhappy with his entrance into this new world. Where he had been before, he was perfectly content with. But then I also had another who was born and placed in my arms, and she's been cooing ever since. 
We don't trust ourselves, much less God. He made us, and we fell from fellowship with Him. And so that which we desperately need for this life, for perseverance in this life, for success in this life, faith is something that by nature we lack. Abel, Enoch, Noah, these ancients were giants who had something that we weren't born with. And you know what? They weren't born with it either. God had changed them so that they were different than before. They too were sons of our first father Adam and our first mother Eve. They too partake of the guilt of that fall. They too have a corruption of nature. They too were in need of a Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in their case, there was divine intervention. There was the activity and hand of God. God initiated. God brought salvation and applied it to them even before His saving Son had come into the world because His Word is so true and sure that there's no tricky math or false accounting in God operating just that way. He saved the men of old that we might look to Christ all the more for our salvation. Faith, you see, is a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God because otherwise we would all boast and strut around proud of ourselves and our great ability to have faith. You are not born in your native fallen nature with faith in God. Rather, it is something that God Himself gives and bestows by His grace. You know, there's a common mistake about this particular chapter. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 1 is not defining faith so much as he is describing what it's like and what it can do for us. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, The verb to be there is, well, yes, verbs to be are as complex as Bill Clinton sometimes said they were. It's grammatically true. There is a complexity to language and intent that we must always be sensitive to. Uh, This is not a theological, narrow, technical definition that's being given. We are having here a description of what saving faith can do in our lives and what a blessing it is. And so by giving us the great hall of faith, the author of the epistle to the Hebrews under inspiration of the Holy Spirit calls us to be like them, to be like the members of the hall of faith. And the only way to be like them is to have, to receive as a gift, that which they received, faith from God. And so this morning, as we face the Lord's Word and as we face the Lord's table, we must come thinking clearly about ourselves and our need. You cannot muster up enough faith to come to this table and partake rightly because you by nature don't have that capacity. You're fallen and broken. You are not clever enough to wrest it from God, to grab it from heaven, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're just not that strong. You're not good enough to do that any more than you are 
strong enough to jump to the moon in one leap. But God can give you the faith you need, just like He did them, to come and partake the means of grace that He provides. You can know peace of heart. You can know perseverance in your life. You can know this if you but cry out for His grace. Don't look to yourselves. Look to Jesus. He gives faith and grace and strength, and He gives it so that you might face the day and you might climb that mountain whose shadow feels so heavy across your face. As many of you know, the last few months have been a challenge to the Rankin family as my dad faced cancer and then went home to be with the Lord. There was so much shock and so much suffering, so much confusion, and at the same time so many things you have to do. It is only by the grace and gift of God that you can face such a mountain. He can provide. He can provide what you yourself cannot. You can learn to trust in Him even when all the lights go off and you can't see your hand in front of the face. That, that is how you make it through the day. As you trust in the giver of that great and good gift which enables you to persevere the gift of faith. And the blessings of such saving faith are many. You see, our feet stand on solid ground by faith. We're told here that even in the third verse. By faith we understand. You see, it's by faith that we know who we are. That we have been made of the dust of the ground by the hand of Almighty God. That we have had the breath of life breathed into us. That we are descended together from our first father, Adam. These unique and miraculous things are what God has done. And He is so kind to us as to tell us where we've come from that we might stand before Him in knowledge and knowing that we have been made in His image. By faith we know these things because He speaks them to us in His Word. And by faith, therefore, we can have a firm and sure hope and we can look and work and long for that sure promised treasure of heaven. No doubting. No fearing. Trusting in Him. And another blessing of faith is that we can stand in the day of trouble. What verses teach us that? Well, I'm tempted to read verses 4 through 38 again, but then we'd all miss dinner. Every member of the hall of faith, every single member is one who stood in the day in the face of great temptation or persecution, who stood by faith 
who stood by the grace of God, who was upheld by the Lord God Almighty in spite of themselves. And so you too can stand in your day of trouble with all your unique circumstances and all your personal burdens. You too, by His grace and by the faith which He alone can give, you can stand in the heat of the day. And you can climb that mountain even though its shadow feels too heavy for you. And you can also, the author tells us, you too can wait. Now every child here knows that the hard thing about Christmas is not opening the presents that morning. The hard thing is waiting to open the presents. All the members here of the Hall of Faith that are commended to us, they had to wait. God's promises to them were real. Their faith was real. It was a gift from Him. They endured real circumstances by His grace and strength, but they still had to wait. They didn't receive the promised fulfillment in this life. They had to wait on God, to wait on His time, because it was all by His initiative. His plans were bigger than they could see. There was something more on the other side of the horizon than they could even guess, much less fully fathom. His plans included countless saints down through the ages, even you and me. They had to not receive what was promised at that time so that we could receive too. They had to wait, as it were, for us to arrive before the party could ever begin. And so, you and I too must wait. We must wait on others. Other saints are coming. Other saints are being gathered in. God has His plan. And He is gathering in His people. And we must hold out the gospel to them. We must announce the good news. We must share our lives and, and this precious treasure that we have been given in His Word with them. But we must wait patiently and expectantly. We must wait faithfully, persevering until the end. By nature, you're a little wobbly. But by the grace of God and the gift of faith, the Lord who is strong can make you strong indeed. Let us pray.